Welcome, everyone, to episode 140 of Some Like It, Scott, part of the Media Plug Podcast Network. I'm your host, Scott Shelton, and on this week's episode, we're finally, really, I mean, I swear, moving on from 2020 with a review of the latest Amazon Prime video release, Without Remorse. With me today, uh, with said lack of remorse, I have my co-host, Scott Harvey. Scott, how are you doing? Yeah, Scott, I have to say, it doesn't still, it still doesn't quite feel like we're moving on from 2020, considering we're doing like a straight to streaming release again, which uh, was kind of all of our 2020 on this podcast. But no, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. We are going to be getting back to the big stuff soon, back to theaters. You know, Marvel just dropped their big spot this morning, uh, yeah. trying to get everyone hyped about, hey, let's, we're going back to the movies. Here's all the stuff that's coming out um and yeah about our, things coming our, out in 2024 or whatever or i don't know right yeah <laughs> yeah i was like great our next few Real weeks <laughs> yeah our, our next few weeks after this are you know we're, we're there's going to be a summer movie season again there was not yeah. last year unless you count valley girl and um extraction you know, whatever whatever else guard. you watched yeah uh well th- those movies i definitely thought about a little bit this week i'll i'll say that but um <laughs> i know you did but yeah no we're gonna have a summer movie season and i am certainly looking forward to it um one year away from it was enough um and it, it should be a lot of fun to be going back regularly to theaters obviously i've been back you know quite a few times now um i went to see mad max fury road actually the other night at a uh small like this old-fashioned theater in the small town like 45 minutes away from me like one screen but it's like a huge old-fashioned theater balcony and everything it was kind of cool um but obviously that was a great experience and um yeah you know just watching anything in the theater um is great but it'll be um it'll be extra fun you know to just get back into that well it's friday night it's saturday night whatever what's the movie i'm seeing this week um because that was what it was like for the three years or so prior to, to 2020. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think about it. the Alamo Draft House is reopening on Friday here in New York and uh, down in Brooklyn, and they're showing Fellowship of the Ring, which obviously was like before my time in terms of remembering. Mm-hmm. Even if I saw that in theaters, I wouldn't remember it probably. That was what, like 2001, 2000. I don't remember. What 2001. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, should I do it? Like 11:30 a.m. screen on Sunday. Get get some lunch. Have my first Alamo Draft House experiment experience it could happen uh we'll see if it does um, it probably it's a good experience right no yeah it abso- absolutely will be um but things like that and then there's also the new guy Ritchie movie which we won't be covering on the podcast but for a lot of you it will be you know the movie the new movie uh to choose from at the at the box office this week at uh, this coming weekend so look some people are bigger fans of guy Ritchie than uh scott or even me i haven't had that much exposure but the gentleman i wouldn't say it was my cup of tea necessarily uh, but anyway, we don't have to keep dwelling on that because we do have a streaming release to talk about before we get back to the theaters. And I think our release next weekend as well that we'll be talking about will also be a streaming release. But enough of that for now. Um, as I mentioned this week, we are going to be talking about the Michael B. Jordan led Tom Clancy action thriller adaptation without remorse. Without remorse starts off with Jordan's John Kelly leading a team of Navy SEALs on a mission in Syria to rescue a CIA operative taken hostage. 
Kelly's team runs a successful mission until they realize their targets are Russian, not Syrian, a detail left out in their mission brief by CIA Deputy Director Robert Ritter, played by Jamie Bell. Fast forward three months and Kelly's squad is methodically assassinated one by one on the same day in apparent retaliation for the Syrian mission months prior. Kelly survives the attempt on his life. However, his wife and unborn daughter do not, sending the SEAL on a rage-fueled mission of vengeance without remorse. Scott, did Amazon's latest addition to their streaming service strike your fancy like several of their other films over the past few months? Or can this be added to the forgettable annals of streaming action movies? Scott, we're recording this on a Monday, and uh, I watched this movie yesterday morning, um, Sunday morning, and uh, I, after I finished it, I sent you a message saying, hey, you know, do you want to record tonight? Do you want to record the podcast um, tonight? I just watched the movie. Um, and you said, well, no, I got some stuff going on. Let's do it tomorrow. Let's do it on Monday. And I said, okay, uh, I may have forgotten the movie by then, but we can give it a go. Uh, and I have to say, uh, it's Monday night now, and I, I'm struggling a little bit because that's really the type of movie that this was. Uh, this is as workmanlike and as generic and, you know, insert whatever adjective you want, um, as you will find. Um, among action movies, streaming action movies, whatever. You know, earlier this year we saw, or we didn't actually talk about it on the podcast, but I think we both we both watched, or at least I watched. I don't actually, I actually don't think you watched, but The Little Things um, was a movie that came out oh, sure. earlier this year. Okay, yeah. um, and that was to me like the the most generic crime thriller thriller you could possibly. Imagine. To me, this is like what The Little Things was to the crime genre. Uh, to to the action genre. I mean, just genuinely no ambitions whatsoever um, to be found within this movie. They're not trying to do a single thing that you haven't seen before. Well, um, they're trying to make a franchise. <laughs> well, yeah, which you've certainly never seen before. Um, no, no one's ever but, made an action franchise, never. Yeah, uh, not a single thing you haven't seen before. There's not like an interesting directorial choice to be found throughout the movie. There's not an interesting performance really to be found throughout the movie even though there's good actors in here quite, quite the opposite um, in most cases actually and yeah this movie was written by like i'm doing air quotes right now this movie was written by taylor sheridan um of course of hell or high water sicario wind river fame um more, but, more notably now but fame for yellowstone but yeah yellowstone yeah um but this movie was probably written by a computer algorithm if we're being quite honest because that's that's what it feels like there there's not a single line again, that you have not heard in some other movie, like just the most generic, like spy movie jargon, um, just absolute BS. Um, for there's no, there was no rabbit's foot in this one though, Scott, if they, if they don't no, have the wasn't. rabbit's foot. <laughs> yeah. You don't care about the character. I mean, this is just as bland as bland gets if we're being honest. And you know what? That's a shame, right? Because they have talented people involved. You have Tom Clancy who his work, has inspired good movies in the past. God, I'm, I don't know if you've seen any of the Jack Ryan movies, but um, I've seen them all. Yep. Okay. Yeah. The the early '90s ones in particular, you know, The Hunt for Red October, Clear and Present Danger, Patriot Games. Those are all solid. Um, I, I think those are all really good movies for for what they are. Um, and you know, they, I think it's they, popular to not like those movies these days, though. Interesting. Um, yeah. I mean. I think the Hunt for Red October in particular, um, although not the best submarine movie. That's yeah, I'm thinking of the Harrison Ford ones, but yeah, I, I take your point about Red October. 
Maybe, but yeah, no, the, the, those three are solid. Um, but the thing about Tom Clancy is like, well, so, so for one, the Jack Ryan, um, Jack Ryan being his most famous series, um, those are more like espionage spy movies, right? This is more of a like military action type um, yeah. film. And, and it is, is a spinoff of the Jack Ryan. It's the same universe. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this is like his second most popular sort of series, yeah. really. It's the um, Rainbow Six franchise for those yeah. who may be unaware. Um, and there's video games and stuff like that. But um, yep. but yeah, I mean, Tom Clancy obviously has a military background and, um, you know, that type of stuff makes his novels hard to read sometimes uh, because they are so they can be so dense even you know even the hunt for red october stuff like that gets really sort of dense with naval procedure and all this stuff the movie too um and so you know i I think they may have like overcorrected a little bit in this movie well to some extent yes and to some extent no because i still think the plot really is just kind of like nonsense or like i mean you you could try to focus on it but like i i just you know 30 minutes in or whatever i didn't really care about trying to follow the plot anymore to be honest with you um i think there's a reason why this film was in development hell for 20 years i mean keanu reeves at one time was attached to this and then tom hardy was and then it landed at the michael b jordan yeah but you know my my point is i think that like depth of detail and everything that clancy brings to his work that is something unique right i feel like they just really watered that down here to make again a very generic action movie it did remind me remind me a lot of extraction actually which you you brought up there uh scott last year which but even extraction right had some moments like again they tried that long take in the middle of the movie i don't think it really worked that well but they tried something this movie doesn't try anything um yeah and it tries a yeah, plot it, twist that's about it. it it is it is truly like you know to, in some to some extent like i feel like this is almost worse than a, a outright bad movie because it's just like dead air right you just like you click play and it's just like there are shapes moving for an hour and 40 minutes and then the movie ends and you are a hundred thousand percent the same person that you were an hour and 40 minutes ago when you yeah. clicked play well, the, the I think that's such an interesting point. And I think this speaks, we're going like super philosophical and not even talking about the movie at this point. <laughs> but like, I think that there's nothing interesting to talk about the movie. So that's fair. Well. Fair enough. And it's going to be a much more interesting conversation with, with maybe the path I take us down here in a second. But like, I think that like what you're describing though is like exactly the kind of movie that like streamers want to make, right? Which is like maybe the problem with streaming movies is that like Amazon Prime doesn't care whether it, or like a- Amazon Studios doesn't care whether Without Remorse gets a hundred percent Rotten Tomato score it's a or like a thirty percent Rotten Tomato score because all they want you to do is they want you to see the talent they want you to see the Tom Clancy name like IP they want they want you to see the show and they want you to turn it on for an hour and forty minutes that's all they care about they don't care yeah. and you know what I watched this movie with my mom um and she enjoyed it and I can under and I can understand why right right like I think that the average person will probably turn this on and probably enjoy it but they will forget it within 24 hours. And that's like, that is like half of Netflix's original movie library. Like all those rom-coms that everyone, like, like, I don't know, like in insert rom-com, like 90% of the rom-coms they made in the last three years, like they're all forgettable. Like I've never thought about them for like, like a week after for most of them. And I just think that it's like the kind of movie that they're trying to make. So I'm like, we're sitting here and you're talking about like, it's almost worse than a bad movie because it doesn't do anything interesting at all. But like, that's probably what they're trying to make. Here goes. Scott Shelton is going on record that without remorse is the kissing booth of action movies. Um, 
there you go. Well, I, yeah, uh, I mean, look, I think that I think that <laughs> without remorse for me is more watchable than the kissing booth. Um, but look, I don't think that. But that, hey, they built a franchise out of the kissing booth, and they're and they're, they're probably going to build a franchise out of this when they see it because I'm sure their viewer numbers are great for this film. Yeah. Like, oh, like, I don't know. Like, I'll I'll know at the end of this week because we get like Comscore and Nielsen data for my job. Like, I'll know how many people watch this watch this movie. I guarantee it's it's actually top of the charts this week. Yeah, because you go on Amazon.com, which millions and millions of people do every single minute. And, you know, there's a banner right there at the top of the homepage. And it's Michael B. Jordan's face, right? It's Tom Clancy, uh, a name people know. You're right. And then they they click play and then, you know, Amazon has done their job. Um, and that sort of sucks for the future of movies. I mean, I'm not trying to be like doomsday, like this is the path we're headed down because I don't but think it, that's But it is movie. a serious issue. It is, yeah, um, and I, I and we've alluded to yeah. it briefly before. I, I, I mean, I think I think so at least. But like the bar that you have to clear to have a movie made on a streaming service is just simply lower because the metrics you're using aren't people who are willing to pay ten to fifteen dollars to twenty dollars in certain markets at the box office to watch it. Yeah, it's it's not the same as putting a movie in theaters where you actually have to get people interested right enough to leave their home to pay money. go pay yeah. money, you know, sometimes a lot of money depending on the market to watch the movie. Now and it's the number like, of kids you have. Yeah. Taking now it's like, well, hey, this movie might suck, but it doesn't cost me anything to just click it and it's going to kill an hour and 40 minutes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, there's there's interesting conversations to be had here. But um, this movie is. Uh, it's it's sad this movie is inspiring interesting conversations because there's nothing inspiring or interesting about this movie and in my opinion yeah look I, my take was that like i guess just to jump into my more specific thoughts about actually about the movie since we are supposed to be talking about the actual movie i like honestly i think that if i hadn't been if i hadn't been watching this for the podcast if i had turned this on and i wasn't watching it with someone else i probably would have turned the movie off like like halfway through i probably, I probably just would have um, yeah. I will say that I did think it got better in the second half, but like, man, that, that first half, honestly, I, I was so bored. I was so bored in that first half. And like, I was a huge fan of Jodie Turner Smith in Queen and Slim. And I don't know if I've seen her in anything else, to be honest, but like Queen and Slim, she, I think she really made an impression and God, she is just like absolutely flat in this film. Like I, I'm so bored by her Everyone performance. Is. Yeah, I mean, look, look, at least I, I felt like at least Michael B. Jordan was like trying. Jamie Bell was like maybe giving a little bit. But like, I don't know. I just feel like I got nothing, um, nothing at all from Guy Pierce and Jody Turner Smith. I mean, Jesus. I mean, they're just awful. Yeah, Guy, Guy Pierce. like I thought for like one minute when he came in that I was like, oh, OK, here we go. This is going to be like the colorful character that's going to kind of a lot. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned the tie in, right? Jody Turner Smith's character is is. Um, you know, Greer, who is the daughter of James Earl Jones's CIA director and, you know, yeah. the two Harrison Ford movies. So yeah. um, there's that sort of tie in as well. But yeah, no, nothing like about these characters is interesting at all. E even, you know, a movie star like Michael B. Jordan cannot do very much. Um, and, you know, you mentioned like, yeah, sure, the action picks up whatever in the back half of the movie, the last 30 minutes or so. But like, the action, like the here, final though. action scene, yeah. it's so dimly shot, right? Like the whole thing is so dark and like, it's just people tinking. Like the the rifle shooting in this movie actually kind of cra cracked me up. Like this is what my friend back in the day when they would play, when all my friends would play COD in college, this is what he would call tinking. When you're like using your rifle and it's just tink, 
tink, tink. you're not like actually spraying like bullets like a person would when they were actually shooting these rifle it's like you are straight up tinking like one round at a time and like that is not the strategy you want to use if you're trying to avoid being killed. But hey, you know, what do I know? Tom Clancy is the military expert here. Um, is Tom Clancy still alive? Because I think this, this no, movie might, put, no, might, have, might have put him in the grave. I thought he died a few years ago. Maybe that's why they finally got this made, because they were like, now we can just make a, you know, yeah, Tom dumpster fire of a movie. And Tom's yeah, not gonna Tom doesn't have to yet. prove the script anymore. Taylor, write the uh -huh. algorithm, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, look, we, we've talked a little bit about Michael B. Jordan. Let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about his character. He's John Kelly, and you know, by the end of the movie, he's John Clark, who is the founder of the Rainbow uh, Rainbow Six team that is referenced in maybe it, name recognition wise is a little bit more famous, I think, than than Without Remorse. Um, even if this was the the book that spawned the franchise. And look, when you when you attach Michael B. Jordan to anything, I mean, like he's the kind of actor who, for years, I mean, pretty much ever since we started the podcast, I have said that like. You put Michael B. Jordan's name on, I think I'll be excited to watch it. And it is true. I was excited to watch this film. And I don't know. He just wasn't able to like like you were just alluding to. He wasn't able to elevate, you know, this out of out of, you know, any anywhere close to out of mediocrity. It's just we've seen this character so many times before. I mean, this is like it's, every it's, one yeah, of those frigid. Liam Neeson, Jean-Michelle movies like from the last several years. This is decades, even, you know, Man on Fire, Denzel Washington. This is just like, you know, so, so many revenge movies like this you've seen before. And again, there's nothing interesting about it. Uh, and, you know, yeah. we, we've we've uh, we've reached a point now where it's like we can we, there, there are serious kids questions about like fridging and all of that, which are very, very present in this movie oh, um, God. Yeah. based on what happens early on. Uh, but and now I'm saying now now we look at those ty types of things with a critical eye, whereas like, you know, there are zillions and zillions of these types of movies over the years going back yeah. to Charles Bronson and the Death Wish franchise and even further yeah. back than that, probably. And, and to be uh, fair, we, we talk about it less and less these days, it feels like I will say like I, yeah. when, when this happened, I was like, you know, I think one of the reasons why this jumps out at me so much is just like egregious that like I haven't seen this in a little bit. It's been a well, right because people are trying to avoid it because now, again, we're looking at these things with more of a critical eye and we understand that this is a problem. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, so this eye rolly. is it's just like so this boring. is the extra level, right? Because his wife is pregnant, too. So, yeah. you know, you gets get the, the, gets the wife and the daughter gets the whole family wiped out. Exactly. That extra element. Um, yeah. But but again, it's just like I'm angry because my you know wife was killed um and there's nothing else to it than that really i mean and, and yeah. you know he gets a couple of moments where he gets to like display some rage uh but you know again you'd expect to see that in this this type of movie i mean it's no it's no knock on michael b jordan certainly i mean he's proved time and time again um that he can command the screen um but yeah not not here if if i'm being quite honest this is this is very bland and you know just sort of pitched at the same generic level as the rest of the movie i feel like and he's really to me he's really in the movie because of the name draw right because people want to watch a movie like you said that has michael b jordan in it because he's been in creed he's been in black panther he's been in all this stuff that people really really enjoy and that he's really good at. yeah yeah i, I do wonder because i mean he was attached relatively late in the game uh, i believe just because this has been through so many cycles uh over the years yeah I think he, they probably got michael b jordan and were like 
holy crap, we hit the jackpot. Like the fact that somebody of his caliber is still interested in this movie. Let's like make this thing right now. And then they made it in like a week. And they're like, oh, <laughs> good job, everyone. We did it. Yeah. I mean, he was originally announced for this movie two and a half years ago. Um, and he signed on to do a two part film series. So where the sequel will be Rainbow Six. I mean, we'll see. I would be shocked if that movie doesn't get made. Because again, like maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. And on Friday, I look like a complete idiot when I see the numbers. But I have a feeling that this did really well on Amazon Prime in terms of at least people who actively use their service, um, which is a relatively small portion, I think, of people who subscribe to Amazon Prime, um, just because most people are just doing it for, you know, shipping <laughs> the, stuff, the, ship, yeah. the shipping and the delivery stuff and the fact they use Amazon for so much, uh, which was true for me for many years. Um, and, and it was true for a lot of people, I think. But overall, I agree. It's bland. Michael B. Jordan's one of my favorite actors, but he just couldn't. He could not bring this thing to life, unfortunately. Like I said, it, I think it does get better on the second half, but that's because, like, I mean, the first half, I, I couldn't have been less engaged or more bored um, yeah. in the first half. Depressing year for some of our favorites so far, Scott, with Rebecca Hall also really just not being able to do anything in Godzilla versus Kong to elevate that. <laughs> no, um, no, she did something in Godzilla versus Kong. Scott, you want to just go ahead and say the line? It's a shame. Yeah, well, that's true. She did give us the most iconic line of 2021 film so far, but um, other Who than that, yeah. No. Who bells? It's a little bit rough. Kong, I think, which by the way, they yeah. showed the trailer before uh, they when showed I went the trailer? Mad, Mad Max the other night. They showed <laughs> that, and I was like, Great, I just get to watch this line again. Incredible, and, the, and her other great line it's Godzilla when he just <laughs> appears so for the Zilla. first time. It's Godzilla, just like this <laughs> deadpan delivery. Man, this is a great episode so far. I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> All right, Scott, the rest of the supporting cast, I took a dump on them already so i'll let you say anything you want to i don't know we haven't we haven't talked too much about jamie bella did he do anything for you yeah again this is the uh fan uh reunion that everybody has been waiting for between michael b jordan and and jamie yeah. bell of course the stars yeah. of that iconic film um <laughs> jamie bell no like he just comes in again he comes in as another stock character right he's like the loose cannon like uh, kind of, you just like, he's clearly set up as like the adversary to yeah. everyone else. He's just like being really sort of sardonic and everything about, yeah. um, you know, what, what everyone else is doing. But then of course, by the end, he and Michael B. Jordan and Jody Turner Smith and all of them, they, they learn to work out their differences and, you know, come together as a team. Um, yeah. Guy Pierce. Are you saying this because uh, you watched the movie or because you know how this plays out? <laughs> either one, right? Like I could, <laughs> yeah. I could review the movie without having seen it, if we're being honest. But um, and then, um, well, this will be perfect for the Academy voters then. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, and then um, you know, Coleman Domingo, right? Which is one oh, of the names yes. that caught my, my eye in the cast in the movie for probably a total of twenty-eight seconds. And my favorite thing is he shows up right like, very early on before his wife has even been killed. They're having like a party or something at their house. He gets like two lines. He's the pastor. So then at the very end, he comes back um, and it's at the funeral. Um, and I'm like, oh, great. Coleman Domingo's back. They literally like use music they over all this He doesn't even say anything. And you don't even hear him talk. And I was like, what on earth? Uh, yeah, it's I mean, a real, look, it's a real Brian Tyree Henry energy and uh, Joker. Joker. Yeah, it, clearly this was at a time when Coleman Domingo probably was not as known of a person. Now, after you know, after Euphoria, and you know, he was just in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and um, if Beale Street could talk, you know, stuff like that. Clearly, now people know who he is. Uh, but maybe when this movie was filmed, 
Um, Look, he wasn't that, he wasn't that big in if Bill Street could talk, but certainly the other movies you were talking. About. I mean, he was the father, but yeah, no, he had, he had a couple of big scenes, but yeah, I mean, look, uh, it's it's a waste of who I think is a very very talented actor, uh, but you know that's kind of this entire movie and this this entire cast. I mean, Jamie Bell is is fine. Like I've never really seen anything of his where he's like wowed me or anything. Uh, but you know, Guy Pierce certainly. I mean, I think he has some fantastic roles, and you know, I like Confidential, Memento, stuff like that. Um, and Michael B. Jordan, we know. You don't like Iron Man sounds three. Like, it sounds like uh, yeah, sure. Iron Man three is fine. And then Jodie Turner Smith. You know, I haven't seen Flint and Slim, but a lot of people spoke highly of her in that. So um, again, these are all just like little pretty colors to dot throughout the cast of this movie, um, so that people will click play. Uh, and I'm sure it worked. Well, that's the funny thing, right? Like, I don't think it, you don't you don't. And also with their advertising, I mean, I live in New York now. I guess I didn't talk about that at the beginning of the episode, but I did talk about last episode how it was my last my last episode in Boston. And I live in New York now, and there is a huge, massive banner in Times Square for this film. The only person's name who is on that is Michael B. Jordan. So I don't even know why you're paying any of these other people to do anything. They're not advertising with them. Like, honestly, no one's sitting down to watch this movie to watch Jamie Bell. Like, sorry, it's not happening. Oh, the Bell Hive is going to come after you for that one. Yeah, please at me. Add a Shelton 2013. I need more. The Bell Curve. (laughs) The Bell Curve. Oh, man. We're on fire today. All right, yeah, Coleman Domingo, Guy Pierce, ra- really rounding up the cast. Um, but the, okay, here's also here's also the thing too about this, and this doesn't have anything to do with the cast. I just want to rant some more. It's just like, you, can you not have at least like some interesting like interesting kill sequences or action or something? Like I haven't seen Mortal Kombat yet. I'm probably gonna turn that on, but like that's probably gonna be more interesting because they just do some like yeah. wild shit and <laughs> how they kill people. This is like. This is prototype John Wick, right? This is like, you know, there's a few like hand-to-hand combat scenes. But again, there's nothing cool or interesting going on like it, like there is in John Wick. Yeah, there's like, like one scene where like, there's cool hand-to-hand combat, right? There's like like one scene. It's like the beginning. It's, isn't it like the, the Syrian right? It's like the only scene that's like actually yeah. interesting combat. Look, and they don't do I anything. Watched, I watched Speed Racer last night and the fight scenes in Speed Racer are a thousand times better than the fight scenes in this movie. Yeah. Woof. Um, geez. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just such, it's such a disappointment. It's such a, I mean, you make the joke about being written by an algorithm, but like surely an algorithm could have come up with something Listen, more interesting than this. It, it is a disappointment on some level, but also this is kind of what I expected from this movie. Like this literally like a week ago, you were like, Oh, by the way, this is coming out next weekend. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like I, I had no, like no recollection yeah. of this. I mean, I forgot this movie too. was a thing. I mean, it's straight to streaming. You know, it's it's an well, adaptation. That's not unusual. I, I don't think. I don't think. That, I think this movie always would have been straight to streaming. But maybe, yeah, maybe, but I mean, that, that was why my expectations were relatively low. Is what I'm saying. Um, sure. Yeah, it it just pops up, and I see that it's an Amazon Prime movie. It has a big name in it. And again, like look at these movies that we talked about last year: The Old Guard, Extraction. Like you have huge names leading these movies. You have Chris Hemsworth. You have um, they had Charlie McQuarrie Spirit. attached to direct this at one point. Yeah um crazy it, it it's crazy I, I i think i wonder if you know the sort of the time for tom clancy stuff has passed like well, the so, time so that was actually that, the other thing i wanted to talk about too is yeah. that like is it is it that this is a bad adaptation which i think it, it is personally but is there also an element where like tom clancy's vibe just like doesn't fit in the modern world of film 
Yeah, because I, I see, I don't know, uh, because like Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit, right? The Chris Pine movie that they did with Kenneth Branagh directing. Yeah, that was a flop from what I remember. Um, yeah, but they do have the Jack Ryan show right on Amazon. With John, John Krasinski. Krasinski, yeah, which I think is actually pretty popular. Uh, I know my dad watched it, but also again, my dad is kind of the target audience for Tom Clancy type stuff. But yeah, I, I don't I don't know that that is like I don't know that Tom Clancy has been able to stay relevant in the way that like Stephen King, for example, right? Like still people, you know, you you talk about that those two guys have probably been writing for about the same amount of time. You know, again, Tom Clancy's passed now, so he hasn't written anything in a while. But um, Stephen King and Tom Clancy probably started their careers around the same time. And like Stephen King is still a name that will get people to go see a movie, right? Like people will go see Pet Cemetery and Doctor Sleep and stuff like that because it's a Stephen King adaptation. And Tom Clancy, like, I just don't think he has that kind of pull. Um, and maybe some of that is, right? Like the the density of some of his, you know, stuff like, um, you know, like I just don't know that people nowadays that Gen Zers or whatever are that interested in like military procedure and naval procedure and all this type of stuff that Tom Clancy is really good at doing. Plus, you know, there just haven't been that many movies, right? He hasn't, you know, stayed consistently in the, the public eye, again, in a way that somebody like Stephen King has, for example, where his work is constantly being adapted every single year. I mean, you know, you had those three movies, but those were in the 90s. And then you had the sum of all fears, which nobody remembers, right? With Ben Affleck playing Jack Ryan. You have Shadow Recruit, which also nobody remembers. And now you have the, t the TV series. But yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's probably, you know, a little, a little of column A, a little of column B here. And the fact that this movie is not very good, but also um, maybe maybe we're sort of losing interest in um, the, the Tom Clancy stuff. And maybe this, this kind of strikes me as like a last ditch effort again, right? You get the mid credit stinger of like, we're going to do red rainbow six. Now this, this to me, like strikes, this strikes me as like, okay, we're sort of throwing our last card in the deck out there. Right? Like we tried the Jack Ryan stuff. It's not really working that much anymore. Let's see if rainbow six is something that people are interested in because, you know, there's some, video games that are kind which of is just hilarious because i mean jack yeah i mean even with that like i know you have the video game tie-in but like that's that is a that is a small niche and i i don't know how much the concentric circles of movie watching on amazon and and playing competitive rainbow six vegas is like that strong i know vegas is not the most recent one rainbow six siege i think is is the most, is the most recent one. i mean you could look you didn't even need to say anything as if i was going to know the difference or anyone listening was going to know the difference about what the latest rainbow six game is sure it could yeah. be rain you could tell me it was rainbow seven and i believe you <laughs> rain well i mean look they were rainbow five because i'm pretty sure someone died on that mission but um over overall i think to me, I think that I, I did see some people saying like, oh, it's just like Tom Clancy, kind of like you were saying, it's just like a, a boomer genre, basically, for like people, like people just are interested in that. And like, I look at it on paper, and I'm like, I'm not sure that that's true. Like people like good spy movies still. I mean, that's like a thing that people like. And I know that Tom Clancy is is basically its own subgenre of spy. So I, I don't want to oversimplify it too much. But I think that if you just made an interesting like, like, look, if you just make it and like, can you imagine like a James Bond movie with like a little bit less focus on on action, and a little bit more focus on like the espionage or like war element, which I think parts there are parts of James Bond movies that are certainly like that. I think that those movies are still popular today. I think I think people would still go out and see that movie. Um, 
maybe it wouldn't do quite as well. I think it is probably fading overall. Yeah. But like, I don't think it, it's a, it's a it's doomed because of of sort of the the context of it, it being a Tom Clancy brand or a Tom Clancy style. Right. No, I, I think you just you got to make a good movie though, right? I think I think what we see from this is like I mean, you yeah, can't definitely. you can't just rely on Tom Clancy's name to be like, oh, this is going to get us to the finish line because we have you know this this name that people love attached. We have an to IP no, just because like, we have an IP. Yeah, exactly. Like some i you know so not all ips are created equal and i think sure. that's part of the conversation here that like people don't like marvel movies brand recognition the, is fading yeah yeah like people don't like marvel the truth is like whether and this is borne out by the fact that like other franchises have not been able to replicate what marvel and kevin feige have done but like people don't like marvel movies because it's marvel like i don't know like most people didn't give a, a like a crap about like iron man or thor or whole it's just the truth like people just did not care about those about those characters until Marvel made good movies. They weren't great at first, in my opinion. Some of them were better than others, certainly. Um, but they but they made something that was interesting. They made something that was trying to do something different at the time, right? They made a and then they focused on making good movies and they expanded that into a franchise. And it's the all problem, serialized. You have to watch everything or you're gonna lose your place, you know. Yeah, and but they built on the fact that it was good to start with. And like that yeah. and and Movie in and movie out, they are still trying to make good movies. Now, some they're more successful than others at being good, right, and being interesting. I think some have have certainly succeeded uh, more in that department. But the, they're not just trying to make franchise for franchise sake. Now, certainly it feels like that now if you come in halfway through, like, wow, they're just pumping out four of these years, sure. But that's because they have established that an established machine out of it that is able to replicate that level of content. Whereas, like, you turn to, like, basically any other franchise bar, I would say, bar the Godzilla uh kong franchise right now so dc <laughs> the failed uh universal monsters one this this piece of garbage uh like i just i just found it fascinating like look th these people are trying to start franchises before they have a good movie um the even if those universe, baby. <laughs> yeah exactly um but but the, it's just it's just crazy it's just crazy to me i don't it, it it's almost as if people like these people forget that like you just like have to make a good movie <laughs> you know like it's just crazy and, and and maybe that's the reality with streaming you don't actually have to make a good movie yeah that's but, what i was gonna say but again going back to your point earlier you don't have to make a good movie you just have to make yeah. a movie that people will watch and that just means putting people in it that yeah you know people like but but and that but that's the thing though like i i, I think that the the difference and because this is just something i think about like all day every day right like but the difference is like no one is going to subscribe to Amazon Prime so they can watch the John Kelly universe of rainbow movies, right? Like people will. But everyone's subscribe. already subscribed to Amazon Prime. Like, well, it's that, like that, one of those that's just like fundamentally not. World, that's yeah. just like not true. I mean, yes, they are, but like people don't activate yeah. their subscription, right? So, I mean, it's like crazy the the numbers. It's like not even fifty percent. Um, but like overall, I just I I think that what people forget is that like, yes people have subscribed to Disney plus for star Wars and Marvel, but you can't just you, like, even with a streaming level quality movie, right? Like you can't establish a new franchise with like just some like mediocre bland crap that even if like 70 million people in the U S watch it. Right. But they're watching it because they're already subscribed, which is the point you're, you're going to make, right? Like people are not yeah. going to sign up um, to watch a movie. And that's like, not, it's not going to be what people get, keep people there. That's just my opinion. That's not based on anything whatsoever. Uh, other than just like my quote unquote professional opinion, which is you know questionable at best probably. But I just think that the the mistake they're making is like not making good movies, even though even though everyone will watch it, and even though they'll make a sequel, 
that'll probably everyone will watch or everyone minus a few people will watch that too. Like you just can't like you're not going to make an IP out of that that's like actually valuable. I hope that uh, that the streamers start to see it that way, certainly, um, because uh, I don't I don't disagree, certainly. No. But they're gonna they're gonna look at yeah. reach the subscriber reach and hours watched, and they're gonna be like, all right, Michael, make another one. Well, that's the thing too. I mean, when you when you factor in Michael B. Jordan, you know, kind of kind of circling back for a second, like that to me is like the we're trying to get the younger audience You're here, right? Tom Clancy is gonna get the boomers. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan is gonna get the people our age. Yeah, I, I think the problem is that. They so they did exactly. I th- I completely agree, and I think one of the issues that that I kind of came with, came into the or came out of the movie with is that like the spin, and this goes back to I think the point we we're talking about here, like the spin they ma- they put on this to like make it more palatable is they just make made it like a straight action movie essentially. Like they didn't they didn't add the, like the the old the like the more classic Tom Clancy espionage like hard feel to it, like noirish almost feel to it. Um, and they went and, for something that's more more modern. And I think yeah. that was a little bit they, they went too far in that direction and they didn't do the right spin on it. Like Atomic Blonde is something that would be like closer to like what you're looking for. And like again, that that movie is doing something more way more interesting, even though I thought that, that film was like average on the whole. Like that film was doing something super interesting with its like style, etc. Um, and this one's just not. Yeah, and, and I feel like they, they try to slightly make it like a little bit less jingoistic in a way too, because like, you know, I feel like nowadays people, again, our age, Gen Zers even like, you know, are view the military with a lot of skepticism. And, yeah, you know, and hearing true. that Tom Clancy is like this ex-military guy, this like, you know, these people are Navy SEALs, whatever in the movie, um, you know, might cause some people to be like, morally opposed to the movie uh, you know from the from the get-go so they try to throw in this whole angle right about like well hey it's actually the u.s government right who is setting them up to try and start this war right like the u.s government is trying to come up with an excuse to to start a war against you know who is it it syria or russia i can't even keep up which one of yeah um so they've like sent this guy in who's a suicide like to commit suicide like be a suicide bomber multiple times yeah and they, they, you know, they, they want the Rainbow Six guys to go down, you know, there in, in Syria, Russia, wherever they are. Um, Those just Navy SEALs. That's not, Ra- Rainbow doesn't happen until after that. Well, I know, but you know what I mean. Um, and, you know, that this is going to be the impetus to start the war against Russia, even though, again, they've, they've set the whole thing up. Which, right, like, it seems like to, to me, like, uh, maybe a little bit more of an effort to, like, hey, look, we're trying to, like, connect with you, you know, younger audiences who are, more skeptical about this sort of thing, more skeptical about, you know, the U.S.'s involvement in foreign policy, whatever. Um, and we, you know, want to distance ourselves from being some sort of like raw, raw meathead, go military, you know, type thing, which maybe Tom Clancy's work could get portrayed as. I'm not saying whether that's accurate or not, but that just could be a perception that people have. Yeah, look, I, I the funniest thing is that like, I'm only vaguely familiar with the novel, but like the whole like the U.S. government did it too is like that's like not in the, the not plot in the is completely whatsoever. different from the yeah. novel. Like it, there's an Amazon note at one point in the movie, right? Like they have little notes on Amazon Prime Video. It's like the plot of the novel is almost completely different from what we see in the film, and it's like there's something. It's like about drug lords in the book. Like it's yeah. not about you know Russians, whatever this this whole thing is. It's it's crazy. Yep. All right, Scott, favorite scene. 
let's see, what was a scene in this movie? Um, <laughs> that, did, you, did you like it where Michael B. Jordan channeled, really channeled his inner Royal creed stuff. in the in the jail cell, like starts pouring water on the floor and like oiling himself up? Yeah, no, no, no. It, it was it. That's probably a close second. The 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 first is probably when he like um, gets in the what is it a cab whatever he goes to the the airport yeah. and like he's standing the, in front of everyone the trailer, and he's yeah. like yeah, yeah drizzling the gasoline all over the car and then he just like blows it up and then yeah he goes to jail because of course he does uh, <laughs> right after this but yeah that was just kind of a, a funny moment to me yeah but, I, I did uh, love when he gets up the car he's like here. he's like U.S. military U.S. military don't shoot <laughs> yeah like, like all right cool dude. Like, dude I don't think like even the military can get away with just like in front of a civilian airport just <laughs> dousing cars with gasoline and murdering a man inside them yeah yeah not just gets in gets into said burning car and shoots a man in the face you're like, I believe this would be considered a war crime if you were in the military <laughs> doing this. Oh, my Lord. Ugh. So many great scenes in this movie, Scott. It brings a tear to my eye. Yeah, right. Uh, I don't have anything else to add. <laughs> I think that was probably my favorite. <laughs> but the, 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 the sad part about that is that that scene would have been so cool if I literally hadn't already seen it in the trailer. Like, I'd already seen it in the trailer. That's the coolest scene in the movie. Okay, so cool is maybe a little bit of an exaggeration. Relative to everything else in the movie. I mean, yeah, but a lot of things. Are you can't cool. spoil your most exciting scene in the trailer. Everything. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a fault that many movies over the decades have had. Yeah, because man, that last shootout on top of the cottage, what a what a complete boring waste of time. Uh jeez. Not good. Not good. All right, Scott, let's put a score on it. 3.8. This movie sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Wait, wait, this or Hillbilly Elegy? This. <laughs> Tough beat. Tough beat for At least Hillbilly Elegy, though, has some memorable scenes, right? I mean. That's Not true. for the right reasons, but at least, yeah. again, it's it's Mam- all right. Mamma slaps a, the chubby kid. I remember that. Again, that's the question of like, would you rather watch a bad movie or would you rather watch this? And you know, uh, maybe I'm talking myself out of it here a little bit. I almost think I would rather watch a bad movie because there's at least like fascinating and maybe even amusing stuff sometimes in a bad movie. There's just nothing in this. Movie. Yeah, too, too much, too much bland, <laughs> neutral tone voiceover in Hillbilly Elegy. I'd still rather watch this. Um, <laughs> Four point three. All right, well, that should just about do it for our discussion of Without Remorse. We'll take a short break, and when we return, we'll be talking about some recent news. We'll be right back. Welcome back for part two of today's episode of Some Like It, Scott. As I mentioned before the break, we have a few news stories for us to get around to before we wrap things up today. And first up is some recent casting news involving Thomasine McKenzie uh, of, I guess, Jojo Rabbit is what she's most famous for at this point. But we came uh, to like her quite a bit from the Deborah Granick movie that she did a few years back called Leave No Trace. That was in 2018. And she's had a couple other parts here and there, but is really seemingly poised for a breakout. Uh with several films coming out this year, and she was recently announced, like I mentioned about the story, as playing the lead of Carrie Scruggs. Or is it Scuggs or Scrug? It's Strug. 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 Yeah. As playing the lead of uh, Carrie Strug in Olivia Wilde's Searchlight biopic uh, called Perfect, 
So I think she, you know, th- this is one of the many Olivia Wilde films that felt like they got kind of all were announced in the span of like a few weeks uh, after the success of Book Smart. You know, Olivia Wilde's, I guess, first feature coming out after that is going to be the uh, Don't You Worry, Darling, which I guess there's a lot of funny uh, stories about that now involving Harry Styles uh, being in that in that film and also yeah. being involved with her. But we'll leave that where it is for now. Uh, but yeah, Scott, what do you think of this news about Thomasine McKenzie? I was personally pretty excited about it. She's someone who, you know, kind of like I mentioned, I feel like is really poised for a breakout. She is, you know, of that ilk of your Florence Pugh's, of your Saoirse Ronan's, although she's a little bit more broken out, I suppose, at this point. Um, but also, Ani Taylor-Joy feels like people who are really, who are younger uh, actresses in the space, really getting spot, getting parts that are going to thrust them into the spotlight. And it feels like this could be that for Thomasine McKenzie with Carrie Strug. Yeah, no, this is, I think, a smart bit of casting. I think physically she has some good resemblance to uh, to Carrie Strug herself. Obviously, I, you know, being a sports fan, um, I'm familiar with Carrie Strug and her famous um, balance beam. Yeah, vault, sorry, at the uh, Atlanta Olympics um, on one leg, basically, um, that, yeah. you know, won the gold medal for the the U.S. Um, and so I mean that right there will will make for a great movie. I don't know that much about her background, so maybe there's some interesting stuff there um, that will will lend itself well to a biopic. But yeah, I don't, we don't have any good gymnastics movies really. There, uh, I just watched one over the the weekend that was just atrocious. The bronze, bronze, um, yeah. Uh, but there's there's also that one. I think it's called Stick It with uh with Jeff Bridges who plays like a gymnastics coach in it. Um, Jeff Bridges but, in yeah. a gymnastics movie. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's that I've always remembered that because it's a very weird uh, role for him to be doing. But yeah, no, I I I, I personally like gymnastics. Like I always enjoy watching. It's always one of my favorite things to watch during the um, the Olympics. So I think this could uh, you know be a good. Um, hopefully with, you know, Olivia Wilde directing, she'll bring some edge to the, um, you know, traditional sports biopic. Because obviously this could be set up to be a traditional, you know, inspirational sports biopic, which is fine. Those those have their merits. Again, a a sports fan as I am, I think those are always going to strike more of a chord with me, generic though they may be, um, than they will be, than they will with other people. But um, of course, you know, I also love seeing something like I, Tanya, for example, right, which is, um, you know, far darker, more interesting, definitely exploring the character of Tanya Harding um, and not just her athletic achievements. So if that's something that Olivia Wilde decides to do, good, you know, good on her for that. But either way, yeah, Thomas and McKenzie, um, we're just going to see we're going to keep seeing this name pop up because um, she's in several movies this year. Um, yeah. Old again and last night in Soho or the yeah, two we that I was alluding to earlier. We talked about her on our uh, our most anticipated. Uh, yeah, most anticipated. Is she also in uh, the Jane Campion movie, The Way of the Dog? Um, it's possible. I'm not. Did I'm not I just? Sure about yeah, that. There, I think there's at least one other one that we talked about that she's in. But anyway, um, yeah, I know we've been fans of her since Leave No Trace, and I think things are only going to get better for her. And this is smart casting, like I said, from Woody Wild. Yeah, I think that. You know, it really is good to see because, you know, we, she's been in some of the smaller things that we really appreciated her for. She's currently, I think, in a BBC um, adaptation or currently filming for a BBC adaptation of Kate Atkinson's Life After Life, which I think was a best-selling novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's like she's getting there. And this feels like with Olivia Wilde at the helm, you know, with M. Night Shyamalan, with Old, you know, with Edgar Wright, 
for last night in Soho. Like she's starting to work with directors that are thrusting her, you know, if not, if they're not blockbusters, although I'd argue Shyamalan certainly is a, you know, is a blockbuster director, um, pushing her towards that direction of sort of the, you know, the, the AAA blockbuster type space. And that's just good news. Cause I think the more people get eyes on her, the more people will recognize that she is, you know, one of the most talented up and coming young actresses in the space. And there's quite a few of them at this point, but she certainly is one of them. Uh, and yes, she is in the Jane Campion movie, which is called The Power of the Dog. Sorry, I'm, I misspoke there. But yeah, she is in that as well. So there's another yeah. one for her. Jane Campion, a little bit more indie, though, than some of these other you know bigger films that we're talking Academy about. Award winner. Sh- sure. I mean, yeah, Academy Award winner. I wouldn't say Florian Zeller is, is uh, you know, even though he's an Academy, Academy Award winner. Award winner of 2021. I mean, <laughs> but yeah. Sure. I, I'm just saying that I just think because you win an Academy Award doesn't make No, you, no, no. I'm know. not saying that. But I'm saying she, she is a well-regarded filmmaker and the fact Ab- that no yeah Thomas absolutely i'm just is, yeah but i'm saying i think that she has already worked with well-regarded filmmakers making good movies doing yeah. good projects and i now want people to see her and you know i want as many people as possible to see her now jane campion's probably not the way to do that but i think m night Shyamalan, edgar wright um yeah Olivia well, Wilde is well that's the thing i'm definitely fine with the balance right because yeah, yeah. I, she's obviously got some big budget stuff on on her plate like you said there with edgar wright and Shyamalan and stuff like that so yeah this this is kind of what I would hope someone would uh, uh you know of her trajectory would do is yeah I'm going to do one for them one for me whatever you want to call it you know do the blockbusters but also do you yeah. know maybe some more independent stuff like Jane Campion movie yeah for sure and just as the sort of plot line for this movie that you were talking about you're not sure what it's going to be Take this for what it's worth, but the Deadline article that I pulled this from says, An intimate and unflinching portrait of grit and determination perfect charts the story behind Carrie Strug's historic Olympic vault to secure America's first ever gymnastics team gold. So that feels like a little bit more of a straight... I mean, I don't think they, they can say unflinching portrait of grit and determination all they want, but that sounds like a more uh, yeah. inspirational biopic I to me. I hope, it's not, I hope it's not unflinching in the sense that they're going to like be exploring Bella Caroli and like his past. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, um... exactly. Yeah, yeah she's gonna do like awful sexual assault scenes in this yeah. film, and then she goes Gosh. and bolts, gets a perfect one. Uh, yeah, but anyway, on that uplifting note to end on, uh, why don't we pivot over to the story you want to talk about today? Yeah, maybe I'll bring the mood up a little bit by talking about an author who famously died at age 30. Um, Emily Bronte is that yeah. author, and she's going to be, uh, her life is going to be adapted into a a film by the actress Frances O'Connor, uh, making her directorial debut. Um, the film is simply going to be called Emily, uh, period piece, and uh, Emma Mackey is set to star. Uh, that might not be a name that many people know, but it is certainly a name that I know and, and gets me excited for this movie. Um, really, her only acting role of any substance to date has been in uh you know one of my favorite shows sex education on netflix um, where she is one of the two leads alongside ace butterfield um she plays mave uh and i think for me has been the standout in that cast for the last two seasons of that show um so you know i'm i'm definitely looking to see what she's going to be doing be you know beyond sex education when getting into the film realm of course we already know that she's going to be in death on the nile the uh kenneth branagh um agatha christie adaptation the death on the nile centers on sort of like this love triangle and i believe that gal gadot and 
Emma Mackey are playing sort of the two female figures in that love triangle um, from my memory of reading Death on the Nile years ago and also seeing the Peter Ustinov movie like once, I think. Uh, yeah, so she, she is going to be doing a pretty substantial role in that movie from what I understand. And then now she is being, she's going to be playing the titular role in, in Emily, you know, again, I don't know how big of a project this is going to be. And I'm maybe starting to sound like a broken record a little bit because uh, this is my second straight week talking about like a period piece, like English period piece. Uh, you know, we talked, I talked about the D Dakota Johnson being in the uh, Jane Austen adaptation last week. Uh, but look, I'm a show for these kinds of movies. And, you know, they put an actress who I like quite a bit in here, giving her a chance to have sort of a breakout role. The Brontes are personally interesting to me. Like I studied them a lot in college. I read some of their novels. Um, when I studied abroad, we went to the Bronte village learned a lot about their lives. They're, they're pretty fascinating people. Like they all died really young. Right. Um, you know, Charlotte was like the only one who I think, I think she was only like 40, but she like lived the longest. Uh, but you know, Anne and Emily and their brother died very young. Their brother died very young. Um, and then Anne and Emily also died very, young. I mean, Emily Bronte, you know, she only wrote Wuthering Heights. That was it. That was the only thing she wrote. Um, so obviously very iconic novel, but um, you know, died tragically young. So I, I expect this to maybe be more a little bit of like a coming of age story um, because, you know, there's not much to tell in terms of like her in adulthood because she did die so young. Um, but, you know, that obviously those types of movies strike a chord with me as well. So, I mean, this seems right up my alley, Scott. Yeah. You know, this is not something that I would normally see, you know, come across the news wire if I were just thinking about myself and be like, oh, this is something that I particularly piques my interest. But I knew it would for you. And, you know, through your excitement, I feel like I am a little bit more excited than I otherwise would be. So, yeah, I mean, Emma Mackey, well, I guess we'll see her in Death on the Nile then and see, you know, in terms of the big screen on film, what she's made of. That certainly has been um, through no fault of its own, but it, it's one of those films that's just been delayed forever. It feels like now one of the many, to be fair, but it feels like we should have gotten this movie like a year and a half ago at this point. I mean, yeah, that's that's a lot of movies. But yeah, no, look, I mean, I, I don't know how good Death on the Nile is going to be. But, you know, I'm also one of the few, I think, who quite enjoyed the first one of these movies, Mur mm -hmm. Murder on the Orient Express, Brandon's adaptation of that. Um, you know, so this that movie will probably be up my alley as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, I, I'm excited. I, again, I, I want to see what she can do outside of uh, the context of, such a sex education, which, you know, has a very particular vibe. Her character has a very particular vibe on um, that show that I think is going to be, that is going to be drastically different from the roles that she's going to be playing in Death on the Nile and in yeah. the Emily Bronte film. Yeah, that's fair. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how main any of the roles are, because it felt like, same with Murder on the Orient Express, it was like a true ensemble piece, right? Like the only main character is Hercule Poirot. And, yeah, well... Um, I don't, I don't want to say too much uh, about Death of the Nile because obviously there are spoilers that could be given away. But like I said, the the story at least starts by focusing on this mm. love triangle. Now, eventually, the three parties end up on, yes, a ship where kind of like Murder on the Lord Express, you know, stuff goes down. But sure. there is a little bit more focus on, you know, again, this is my memory of the novel and the Peter Yusinov film. They may do it differently in this one, but at least in the Can first- Can do something differently? What? <laughs> the first third of the story is pretty hyper-focused on this- mm -hmm. um, this love triangle again like i said they go i can't remember so yeah so army hammer i believe is playing the 
um, male lead because of course he is. Um, well, I and mean, then, Chris, Christopher Plummer is actually going to come in from the grave and, and, and then I, I can't remember. I know that Emma Mackey's playing Jacqueline and, yeah. um, Gal Gadot is playing Lynette Doyle. I can't remember which one of them that it is, but basically, um, like, uh, he's engaged to marry one of them and who, and who, and the because one of course he is. The one that he's engaged to marry is like the housemaid or or like the servant or assistant or something like that of the more glamorous one. And then he meets, you know, they're engaged. She's engaged to the one and he meets the other one and then ends up falling in love with her. And of course, the other person becomes Jane. If I had to guess, I would say that that Emma Mackey is going to be the one that he's originally engaged to. And then Gal Gadot is the glamorous one who comes in and sweeps him off. Yeah, look, look, there's no there's no there is no world in which Gal Gadot is not the glamorous one that he's married to after. (laughs) There's just no way. You're probably right. But, uh, you know, Maybe they're casting against type. Who knows? Yeah, I bet. I bet the house on it. This is not the kind of movie that's going to cast against type. Fair enough. Annette Bening's in it. That's all I know. So yeah. I'm there. Yeah, for sure. You know, I think it's coming out in October right now. Oh no, this got this got moved again. This is now coming out in like February of 20, 2022 Now I forgot. I swear oh, to God, really they push they push this film back again. Sheesh. They're going to recast Army Hammer. They're, they're going to they're going to take him out of this movie. Hey, I mean, fine by me. Like we just, he was, he was the worst part of Rebecca last year. In my opinion, like he was an absolute wet blanket in that movie. Um, and so this is a similar role. And so I would be perfectly fine if they replaced him with like, I don't know, Nicholas Holt or somebody like that. Wow. If we could only have, you know, Nicholas Holt replace a lot of those. He like, might not yeah. be that much of a heartthrob, but Hey, let's put a good actor in this. Maybe they'll replace him with Ansel Elgort. Yeah, that's what they do. I said a good actor, Scott. <laughs> Yeah, and I said Ansel Elgort. People are still excited about West Side Story for some reason. Um, anyway. Well, there, there's a guy who's directing that who's done a few movies. I think uh, that may have something to do with it. Yeah, what's the most recent one? Ready Player One? No, I'm kidding. I'm yeah, that's right. just messing yeah, around. Did Ready Player One. <laughs> uh, just messing around. All right. I think that should just about do it for episode 140 of Some Like It's Scott. Where can, where can people find you on Twitter? At Scarby Dent. And I can be on at Shelton2013 over on Twitter as well as on Letterboxd. You can find Scott over on Letterboxd at, at Scarby Dent as well please follow our podcast um check out our patreon page at www.patreon.com slash media plug pods check out the reward tiers find one that works for you and if you can support us we'd super appreciate it if not that's okay you can still find us in all your normal places where you view your podcasts you listen to your podcast unless you're viewing your podcast now i guess video podcasts like in theory could be a thing at that point you're just on youtube i feel like uh anyway uh yeah you can find us pretty much anywhere uh, you listen to podcasts, let us know if you can't find us somewhere and we can figure out why that is. Uh, please rate, review, subscribe, share, all that jazz. And we'll be back next week with a review of The Mitchells versus The Machines, a well-received new Netflix animated film. But until then, for Scott Harvey, I'm Scott Shelton. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.